All right. Welcome to the uh, Thursday or oh, midweek Bible study as our physical. This one is slightly different and it's four Thursdays. Uh, if you can survive four weeks, good for you. Lah. If you drop out, don't blame me also. All right. Because uh, this is a, they call it a destabilizing kind of course. Uh, uh, some of you may get shocked. You may question my credentials and everything, but never mind. I just teach you what Bible says. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us together. We ask uh, that you will bring those on the way safely. We commit this time to you. We ask you, the ministry of your spirit to come and teach us as we learn about what your word, the Bible, really says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, pedagogy statement. I come to conclusion, uh, slides no use. Uh, because people see picture, some of the time they have a time taking picture of the picture. So they're not hearing anything, they're just concentrating. So if you concentrate on taking a photo, you can't listen. All right? And I think the studies have shown that PowerPoint, as I've said many times, not much power, so no point. Uh, then, even if you type, like if you use your phone and type, that's not as useful as actually writing. So the best way to put in the brain is to write down. Up to you. Okay? And uh, I think showing the... Actually, I was going to be very wicked make you bring actual Bible. Uh, and make you look. But then, okay lah, panchan uh, I print out for you, okay? Uh, Alright. Okay, now I, do, I start with a survey. Um, have you all heard of the four spiritual laws? Anybody used it before? Okay, yeah. You know what? Can you remember what it says? What's the cover say? Just as there are physical laws governing the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws governing our relationship with God. The first law says what? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, okay lah, there Sin cuts off from God. Three, Jesus died for us. Four, we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That was my teenage experience of sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. And our understanding was that the gospel is only for the non-Christian. I think still many people are regarded as that. Uh, Frankly, Yamkai, frankly speaking, um, on Sunday, just preach about the Great Commission. And it reflects that understanding. The gospel is for the non-Christian. That's the first myth I want to bust. Uh, that's not true. And I'll try to let you understand why. Because four spiritual laws help us to, or want... The, the understanding is that the gospel is for people to be saved. That's what the gospel is supposed to do. That, I think, also is a very limited, constricted meaning of gospel. The gospel actually has an official name, not just gospel. And we will look at that. Okay, so let's look at the verses, uh, the first four that we printed. These are from the gospels. By the way, the gospels are called the gospels not because the Bible called them the gospels, but because... Uh, that's what we name them subsequently. Lah. Yeah. Anyway, the Gospels also uh, tell the story of Jesus' life. So the Gospel must be more than the four spiritual laws. So ignore 1 Corinthians first. And let's look at Matthew 4.23. 4, uh, okay. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Mark 1.4 After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news or the gospel. Gospel means good news. Kapish? Yes, okay. Of God. Luke 4.43 But he said, I must proclaim the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. Yeah, first question. Uh, this is very important for you to uh, understand. If we say the gospel is about 
we are sinful. Jesus died for our sin. And we must receive him as our Lord and Savior to be saved. Jesus is preaching the gospel, right? Bible say? But this is before he died, what? So what gospel was he preaching? What's the content of his gospel? Have you ever wondered how Jesus could preach the gospel before he died? When what we understand as the gospel is only after he died? You ever thought about that or not? Never, huh? Okay. Go answer. What? What did he preach? I am going to tell you something uh, because I'm, I preach the gospel because I'm going to die, you know. I'm going to die because you are very sinful. Then I'm going to rise again and because you are sin, you are separated from God, but you are, God has a wonderful plan for you. But if you accept me after I die and rise again, then you'll be saved. Do you think that's what Jesus said? Of course not. There's no record of that. So I want this, that is the understanding we must smash to pieces first. Because if the Bible says Jesus preached the gospel, it is not the four spiritual laws. Okay? You believe what I'm saying? Huh? It's from Bible, okay? After three, six years of ministry, I don't care what people say. I ask, is it in Bible or not? If it's not in Bible, don't talk to me. Alright. So, like I said, the Bible, I mean, okay, then I go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. These are the words of Paul. He says, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, and you the good God, in which you stand, by which you being saved, you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that also I received, that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. Seems as if, well, Paul was preaching his uh, his own version of four spiritual laws. So what are you trying to tell me? Well, it is true, Paul says, that this is the gospel he was given, but he says this is only of first importance. This is like the kindergarten section of the gospel. It's only the first important. It's only the first uh, thing. Basic military training. Uh, before you can be a soldier. This is... The one that we consider the gospel now is actually only the first part. The very basic, basic, basic. Okay? So, we said that the gospel has an official name. What is the official name of the gospel? It is the gospel of... Hey, it's in the, it's in the handout. Lah. <laughs> the gospel of the kingdom of God. Or of heaven. That's the official name of the gospel. It's not the gospel of getting saved, the gospel of running away from hell. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, that means if that is the official name of the gospel, the kingdom of God must be quite important. Do we agree? That's the name of the gospel, by the way. Yeah. Um, my view is that it is the theme of the whole Bible. The whole Bible actually is about the kingdom of God from beginning to end. Uh, most scholars won't agree with me. Uh, they think the New Testament has this one theme. The Old Testament has... A, I studied theology long enough and I say, I think they are wrong. <laughs> because I think the whole theme of the Bible is the kingdom of God from beginning to end. Because in the end... Well, that will be later. What is the kingdom of God? So... Actually, I've taught this in a shortened version at every membership class. So I've taught the shortened version in many membership At Wesley, when I was for 14 years, huh? one year, three classes. No, 14 times three is what? Huh? Good. Okay. 42 times plus here, five times three, 15. So in the last so many years, I have nearly 60 times. Huh? I've taught this. Huh? So I actually can do by heart. But I also tell them, Okay, just imagine, uh, you die tonight. Not that I wish you to die tonight. Uh. Okay? You die tonight, you go to heaven. Then they say, you know, you heaven angel or Saint Peter going to meet you, right? Then let's pretend, ah, uh, it's going to happen. You got checklist. Okay, before you enter heaven, you got checklist. Uh. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Check. Do you believe in uh, virgin birth? Check. You believe in Holy Spirit? Check. You check, 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 check. 
and everything checked, okay? Then whoever guardian there says, guardian of the, not guardian of the galaxy, uh, just heaven's gate, okay? One final requirement before we let you in. A 2,000 word essay on the kingdom of God. How many of you can go in, cannot go in? 2,000 words, ah. Out of memory, ah, you got no Bible there, no? 2,000 word essay on the kingdom of God. Then you say, how can? That's the gospel. The whole Bible is about the kingdom of God. How come you cannot write? So you'll be in trouble. Okay, after tonight, hopefully, if it happens, you can write. <laughs> okay, to begin the understanding of the kingdom, uh, actually we begin with a very obscure verse, uh, John 3.16. Do we need to remind you? Okay, uh, just to say, for God... Anyway, I, I, this is the English translation. After these many years, uh, you must be very suspicious of these English translations of the Bible because they got a lot of words wrong. Okay, I will tell you what it literally says. It's got to be explained. Um, God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only or unique Son that all the believing in him once will not die, but have the life of the age to come. That's what it literally says in the original. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only one unique son, that whoever, that, the, that all the believing in him once should not, Die, but have the life of the age to come. This last portion of the age to come, you remember where it comes from? Or you, the past, past five years before this, every Sunday when I give benediction, what do I say? The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Spirit be with us this day until... Ah, so I didn't invent that. It's actually in the Bible. I plucked it out because... Of this word, eternal. Eternal is actually not a biblical word. Ah, because it gives the idea of forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Or even, uh, well, not, I mean, ever, 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 how else to say? <laughs> that is actually alien to the Hebrew mind. And even the Old Testament. The <laughs> Old Testament word that's translated eternal even forever is olam. I know it sounds like Chinese, ah, but it's not. Ah. Olam literally means beyond the horizon. It's a geographical word. Literally means beyond the horizon. So even when it talks about time, it's just beyond the horizon. So in, in the Old Testament, you want you can check with Anthony Lee, ah, our Hebrew professor. Eh? The Bible thinks in terms of ages, uh, spans of time, never ever non-ending time, as far as I understand. Uh, I looked this up many times and I think I got enough. So, when the Bible talks about, uh, when in John 3.16, it's the life of the coming age, not eternal life. The life of the age to come. What is the age to come? Obviously, we need to know. And since the Bible talks about ages, uh, this is the picture. This is not my picture. It's adapted. Huh? Okay, okay. Um, just let you know. Uh, some promo. If you're really interested in... I, I don't know whether this is still in print. Okay, this is called George Eldon led the Gospel of the Kingdom. This is first I learned in theological college. Lah. All right? So this is quite a small book. If it's still in print, you want to go and read it for yourself, it's up to you. You know, you got to trust me. Ah. Then the bigger one called The Presence of the Future. You understand this title uh, in a while. This is also by George Eldon Ladd. And if you want some applications, one of my favorite authors, uh, Howard Snyder, Kingdom Lifestyle, just in case you want to know. I don't know whether these books are still in print or they are still available. So, the Bible talks about ages and if you want to do a summary, there's the past age, the present age, and the age to come. 
Not too bad. Huh? I think that's quite easy. The past age is that is before Jesus. Passage is before Jesus. The, then Jesus comes, dies, rises again, goes back. Huh? Present age is between that time and Jesus' return. And Jesus, way Jesus returned, I don't agree with George Ladd because he has a, a dispensational premillennial view, which I don't have, but never mind. After Jesus returns to restore the kingdom of God, it's the age to come. Not to bring everything to a close. The age to come is therefore the age of the full expression of the kingdom of God. Okay? Before Jesus, now, and the age to come. But John 3.16 presents a problem of time. The life of the age to come, okay, any, i got some teachers here, right? Yeah, I, any English teacher? No, no okay, never mind. Test. This PSLE standard, lah. So you can't pass, then a bit sad, lah. The life of the age to come is what tense future, huh? Okay. John three sixteen says, "All the believing in Him once shall have." The life of the age to come. Half is what? Ah, got problem, right? Shall have, that means? Sienzai. Now. Sekarang. I don't know Tamil. Sorry. Shall have the life that actually belongs to the future. That's a problem. Don't you think? Hmm? Bible can keep promise or not? If I believe Jesus, I can have life now of the Future age. That's why this thing called presence of the future. Lah. Ah. This is the promise of John 3.16, you know. That if I trust in Christ today, I will have <clears throat> be able to experience the life, uh, at least in part, that belongs to the age to come, which is in the future when Christ returns and restores fully the kingdom of God. Does it make sense, huh? It makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. Very good, very good. Oh, that means you're off. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's in the Bible. Lah. Of course it makes sense. <laughs> you know how to preach. <laughs> okay. That reinforces the understanding that John 3.16, eternal life, and 16 is not about time. It's about type. So it's a qualitative statement. Qualitative life, not quantitative. Yeah, it's the kind of life, the life that really belongs to the age to come, the life of the kingdom of God, but can experience now at least partially, but fully when God restores the kingdom. Okay, that's the promise of John 3.16. Not eternal life, not living forever and ever and ever. Depending on your way of you look at it, huh, you're going to live forever and ever and ever anyway. It's just in what state. Okay? Whether in God's presence or not. That's one view. Lah. But, um, John 3.16, as many people think, is the center of the biblical universe, which I do not, but never mind. Uh, promises that if we trust in Jesus Christ, and all the believing in Him once, just the word believing is Greek present tense, but English continuous tense. So you must continue to believe. As long as you continue to believe, you have the life of the age to come. You stop believing, you don't have it anymore. Okay? That's the implication. Just because you made one decision does mean that you can do whatever you want and then you still have the life of the age. You must continue to believe. All right. And just to throw in uh, a reinforcement. We all say Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I think we don't understand. Because now, especially when we sing, uh, we don't really understand our meaning, right? So, when we sing the Lord's Prayer, I actually say my own version. Uh, you want to hear now? When I sing, I say, Our Heavenly Father, your name is holy. 
please make your kingdom, your rule manifest. Make it happen. Your will done on earth as in heaven. Give us our daily bread today. And please, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Please do not let us fall into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For you, to you belong the kingdom, power, and glory into the ages. That's the one I say when you all are singing. So as to, I don't just sing and then I don't know why I'm singing and I'm not really saying the Lord's Prayer or whatever. Okay? So, uh, when, I was past, when I was PIC here, I was saying, morning I say, <laughs> at night, uh, I mean evening I sing. <laughs> so at least at once I say it properly lah, so that I can understand. So even when we recite it, we are not really understanding sometimes. You need to pause. Uh. Anyway, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Future or now? Both. Your kingdom come. Bring the age to come. But at the moment, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. Because the nature of the kingdom or the age of the kingdom is God's will done period. But in the meantime, in heaven, God's will, no, 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 no minority report, right? Cannot say, vote no, cannot abstain. Nah. Because God's will is be done in heaven, but your will done on earth as in heaven. That's the nature of the kingdom and the age to come. Okay. <clears throat> What is the key to understanding the kingdom? So I'm going to now move into a bit of psychology uh, related on scripture. To me, to me, uh, one of the most important verses of the Bible is Matthew 6.21. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. This is an axiom. There is no contradiction. This law applies every time. Okay, so what is treasure? Some people think uh, a lot of money. Lah. Huh? Well, okay. Lah. Usually in the membership class, I sort of drag it out, but I won't here. Treasure is whatever you consider valuable. Uh, you may have something in your home uh, that is so old, got alien life forms. Uh. And, but when the home on fire, that's the first thing you go for, no? Uh, before your husband or your most loved one, somehow that thing first. Uh, wife or husband, never mind, uh, you can drag later. <laughs> Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. No exceptions. Okay? If you value finance, your heart will be there. You value your job, your heart will be there. You value power, your heart will be there. You value beauty, as far as you understand it, your Heart will be there. Anything you value, your heart will be there. Once, very, very long ago, I asked God, why is it your treasure, uh, your heart follow your treasure, not your heart, uh, your treasure follow the heart? Why is it not where your heart is, your treasure will be? No, because that's how we are made, lah. Huh? Whatever we make valuable, our heart will follow. Our heart does not determine. It's the treasure that determines where our heart will be. Okay? And um, the kingdom of God asks or challenges us, what is your treasure? And basically, whether God is king. Yeah? And later we'll ask, where is the kingdom? Whether God is king. And I will give you a couple of ways to understand this. Okay? What is your treasure? That's the challenge of the kingdom. Is God king? Because that is the ultimate aim of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Of course, you've got the right later to ask, why is the gospel, why is the kingdom of God good news? Okay, we hopefully we will deal with that as well. In Psalm 86 verse 11, there's a strange, I, I bring to you a couple of strange verses. Psalm 86 11, um, it says, uh, Unite my heart to fear your name. 
unite my heart to fear your name. To me, it's a strange scripture because anybody has a disunited heart. Uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I can tease Manchester United. Now Manchester United seems a bit like Manchester disunited. Now they feel what Liverpool fans have felt for the last almost 20 years. But never mind. <laughs> but why does the Bible say, unite my heart? I think, to put it in psychological terms, all of us may have experienced sometime in our life what it means or feels like to be dragged into five, six different directions. And when you are in that condition, it's very hard to love God and follow Him. Because we don't know what, is, what to do, what is important in our life. And the psalmist's response is, we must have a united heart. You know? Um, okay, I'll leave it there. Don't tell any corny joke. <laughs> That's what the Bible means. So, humans need a united heart, a heart that's together. If not, it's impossible to feel God. Have that thought. 1 Peter 3.15. You look at the references. Huh? What, what version did I give? Huh? Amy, help me. One Peter. Okay. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Um, some versions put, in your heart, sanctify Jesus as Lord. And that's the... What is sanctify? Sounds like a very nice holy word, right? Everybody and Methodists always talk about sanctification. What is sanctification? Huh? No, 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 no. Okay, wait. <laughs> All right. I'm not fair on you, lah. The word is actually holy. Okay. Another, another version says, separate Jesus in your heart as Lord. Separate Jesus in your heart as Lord. Because, sound funny, right? Huh? Jesus, you stand there. We all going to separate, in my heart, please, you just don't come near. Be separate. Well, that's what holy in the Bible literally means. Separate. Uh, utensils for Old Testament worship were holy because one use. They were separated. Yeah, cannot use for anything else. So you can't use the bowl to, for washing, then, then cook porridge uh, as a secondary. It's not, not allowed, lah. So separate means, holy means separate. Okay? To separate Jesus in my heart as Lord. That's another clue of God, how God views us and what we need to do to uh, be His people. So to be holy, to separate is actually basically that He is so high above everything else that there is no competition. You understand? Separate Jesus. So Jesus is there, everything else is underneath. Yeah. Anyway, how Jesus described it is, you do not hate your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, everything, you cannot be my disciple. Do you think he, he meant it literally? Then the husband, <laughs> he said, I can't be Jesus unless I hate you. Well, he won't live very long. He come eternal life very fast. Thomas, you dare say not. <laughs> okay, it's not literal. Lah. Huh? Although sometimes the husband feels like saying that. Lah. Or the wife also, of course. But <laughs> in um, Old Testament language, Hebrew especially, there are no uh, adjectives huh? um, like like me, lah, fat, fatter, fattest. Because <laughs> what? There are no superlative adjectives. Huh? So the only way to 
do this grading uh, is by contrast. So what Jesus is trying to say is that don't play a fool your life. I don't tell your wife you'll hate her. Uh. What you need to do is the difference between your love for Jesus and your love for others must be the difference between love and hate among people. Does that make sense? Yeah, separate Jesus in your heart. Unite my heart to fear your name. So to me, the most important key verse in the Bible about the gospel of the kingdom of God is Matthew 6, 33. So if you haven't memorized that, if you memorize John 3, 16, memorize Matthew 6, 33 also. We sing it every time. Lah. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is that? The kingdom of God. Sound familiar? That's the official name of the gospel. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Okay? To me, that is actually the verse that encapsulates the gospel of the kingdom of God. The invitation, the challenge is seek first. So, seek second what? What seek second? Huh? No, sure now. Did your wife tell you to tell me that? Okay. <laughs> joking, joking. Um, yeah. Once you seek first, bracket and only. And when that's the reality, then all these things are added to you. Once you seek first the kingdom, you don't have to seek anything else. And actually, this is why it is good news. Yeah. So, seeking first the kingdom, the first response to Christ and repentance and... That's the entry into the kingdom. I don't know where you put Okay, I put entry somewhere. Okay, later we'll see. So, this is why it is good news. Um, you, know how to walk, you want to know how to walk on water? No? I teach you. Very simple one. You go Marichi Reservoir. Huh? You go and join the canoeing club. Then you get two canoe. Put your left leg in one canoe, your right leg in the other canoe. Then you walk. Lah. Can or not? You try. Ah. We all laugh, ah, but James 1 8 actually describes that of many people. You know, the double minded person is unstable in everything. So we actually, who claim to be Christian, who claim to have responded to the gospel, saved from our sin, that's what we try and do all the time. One leg in the kingdom, one leg in the world. We try to walk on water and wonder why we fail and do unnatural splits. Okay, so this is the challenge of the gospel of the kingdom. Not so much to get you saved. That's the entry, that's fine. But the end product... Huh? is the person who seeks first and only the kingdom so that all these things shall be added to them. That's why it is called gospel or good news. If we are struggling in our Christian discipleship, maybe we don't understand what gospel really means. Huh? Now you can call it total commitment, whatever, true discipleship, Anything you want to call it. Lah. Okay? And this is why, before I forget, lah, you never stop needing to hear the gospel. Lah. Even as a Christian. Just because you receive Christ doesn't mean you already don't need to hear the gospel because this is the real gospel. Not just to run away from hell and be forgiven of sin, but come to the point where Jesus is king. Or God is king of every part of our lives. And this is the also one of the things to understand. Um, people are quite good at compartmentalizing. So the challenge is, what has God, kingdom of God got to do uh, with um, how you spend your money? What's kingdom of God got to do with um, your friends? The friends you choose. What's kingdom of God got to do your your yourself as a uh, a worker or as a husband or wife, father, mother? 
how does kingdom of God address everything that we do? Uh, even the point of what we dress, how we dress. Um, and, well, painful for me to say this, what we eat even. <clears throat> um, does the kingdom of God actually have total coverage of every part of our life? Because unless God is God of all, He's not God of, at all. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Sounds nice, but not, not original. Okay? That's the challenge of the kingdom. Um, okay, I'm going to jump to eight before I go to seven. Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is like portable life insurance. Ah. So to speak, yeah. Because the Bible says, Jesus says the kingdom is not here or there, but the kingdom is within you or among you. That's the original language. The kingdom is actually within you. So it sounds very obvious and a bit gunduish, ah, but the kingdom of God exists only where God is king in our lives. Ah. So can only be, to put it in uh, Christian language, in our hearts. That's the only place the kingdom can exist. But because God's kingdom is in our hearts, everywhere we go, we should be bringing God's kingdom. Ah. That's why portable, like telephone, telephone what? Ah? The, no, no, the, the, what you pay? Plan, plan, plan. No, the plan. I ah, can transfer one. Ah. So, everywhere we go, we should actually be bringing the kingdom. So, if I'm at my desk at work, is the kingdom of God existing there or not? Since the kingdom of God is within me, it should exist there. Alright? I know hard to do, lah. I'm telling you all the ideal, lah. Okay? Not easy. So the kingdom gets stuck. Or we leave behind at home and then we forgot. But, uh, this is what kingdom actually means. So the kingdom is more spiritual. Uh, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom, kingdom of God is not meat or drink. Told you what, very important, what you eat. But righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the entry in the kingdom is, of course, through faith in Christ. You must be born again. Anyway, the born again also is not a very good translation, huh? Actually, born from above, but never mind. Born of the Spirit. John is very bad translations on that. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the way we respond to the so-called gospel and the false spiritual laws is only the entry into the kingdom of heaven. And there are difficulties, you know, that uh, people say the rich, uh, Jesus says the rich will find it hard to enter the kingdom. So, there are impediments. So even if I call a Christian, if I let my wealth stand in the way, that means the kingdom of God not follow me. It's not does not may not exist in my life because the wealth prevents me from actually experiencing the life of the age to come. Okay. Ha. Huh. So what is the cost if we want? The gospel of the kingdom. What is the cost? Now, these are the parables. And if you look at Matthew, there are many parables about the kingdom. And the parable is of the buried treasure and the pearl of great price. A man... My memory now is not so good. Better don't guess, huh? Okay, king of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. King of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found great value, he went away and sold everything he had. He bought it. Do you understand the price of the kingdom? That man, uh, he found it. He go and sell his wife, his children. No, uh, just kidding. Uh. <laughs> everything, a car, underwear, sell everything. Just to get. So, in other words, the two parables says the kingdom costs everything. If you want to be in that kingdom, you cost everything that you have. Right? That's the price. And don't let anyone tell you any lesser. Huh? That's all bluff. Huh? That is lying. 
Okay, there's no, there's no shortcut, there's no discount, uh, there's no better price plan. Yeah, it just costs you everything. Basically, this is what uh, Jesus says in the Bible. Okay, um, and again, you know, just as we look at uh, the impediments to the kingdom, not everyone who says to me. Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but everyone who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So just saying uh, that Jesus is Lord uh, is not the same. Uh. Okay? Um, all right. I got 15 minutes better. Better move on. I know I'm going very fast, sorry. Uh, but I'm trying to do everything within an hour. So if you look at Jesus, you want to know what else belongs to the gospel, just look at Jesus' teachings, um, especially the parables of Matthew. Um, and I'm not going to go through every parable, but you learn the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, mustard seed and yeast, uh, the treasure and the pearl that we've been, the parable of the net, unmerciful servant, the vineyard, the talents, the ten virgins, the ten, uh, Tenants, the talents. Um, so these are the teachings of the gospel. So we want to be part of God's kingdom. We need to respond to these teachings. A uh, good example is, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Well, the one who is the servant of all. So if you want to understand and uh, appreciate kingdom values, that's the main feature is servanthood. Um, and again, the dangers of riches or wealth. Um, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will hate one, love the other. And that's also part of the kingdom. Okay? So let's move on to another misunderstood uh, area. Evangelism. Evangelism. Our view of evangelism nowadays is to bring the so-called gospel for spiritual laws defined to the non-Christian. Uh, that is not adequate. In the Bible, there's no evangelism noun. There's no word that can be translated evangelism. It's only in English. But in the Bible, there's, there's no. The only noun, the only nouns in the Bible are gospel and evangelist. The process is never a noun. It is always a verb. So, for example, uh, you look at um, the verses we looked at originally yeah? uh, 2, 3, 4 and 5 2, 3 and 4 and 5 yeah. uh, Matthew 4.23 says Jesus proclaimed the kingdom and this okay, you don't understand in mind but this is technical in the Bible there are two words that can be Translated preaching and teaching. Okay, one is kerygma, which is the proclamation, and the other one is didache, from which we get didactic, pedagogue, and all that, uh, which is the teaching of the church, or sometimes talked as doctrine. What we need to see is Luke four forty three, when Jesus says, "I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom." Actually, there's only. One word translated, proclaim the good news. Proclaim the good news is only one word. So, he actually is saying, I must good news the kingdom to all the other towns. I must good news. It's a verb. I must good news the kingdom. Well, you can say in English, doesn't make sense. So, But the best way is not just speak, you know. I must bring the good news. Yeah. I bring the good news, um, or the best, I mean, you can say announce, but better uh, 
translation for me is, I must bring the good news. The person who brings the good news is the herald, uh, the, the, the spokesman of the king. And this helps us to understand that evangelism is not merely preaching the gospel, so to speak, or sharing it verbally as in the four spiritual laws. Although um, Paul does say that one of the paradoxes of the gospel is that one main vehicle is that it is shared verbally, it is proclaimed. But more accurately, it is brought. The kingdom of God is brought, not by doing uh, miracles, or signs, but just told to people. Um, and that helps us to try and understand that evangelism, as we call it in English, is both uh, declaring and demonstrating. It cannot be just one or the other. Yeah? Preaching and practicing. Yeah. Talking and doing. Right, so that is the proper process of evangelism. Because if you look at the way the Bible records how Jesus evangelized, he's preaching and he's healing. Yeah, so these are the two components. Okay, that's why uh, in the modern church nowadays, and uh, next, if you decide to come back next Thursday, you hear me tear down everything in the church. Yeah. So if you want to hear a church demolition job, you come next Thursday. Okay? Uh, <laughs> half the things we do in church not biblical, but never mind. I'll tell you why. But we still have to do. Huh? Okay. Um, so the, the process of evangelism is not just go and share for spiritual laws. doesn't mean people accept Christ. They are already accepting the gospel. That's only the first part. When people accept Christ, they gain entry, and the rest of the task is to help persons to become, as Paul, uh, as Jesus said in the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations. So the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdoms, end is the disciples who, uh, in whose lives God is king. Okay, so that's the. That's what the, to me, yeah, that's what the Bible really says about the gospel. So I hope today I've sort of cracked open a bit more of your idea of what gospel is, not the narrow, confined view that we've been told for so long. Yeah? But it is the intent, the point of the whole of the scripture to come to the end that everyone uh, makes God king in their lives. So, when I've been preaching, every sermon I preach in the church the last five years, I've been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. No, I'm not trying to invite non-Christians to receive Christ. That's not my point. Because to me, that's not the point of the kingdom. Do we invite people to Christ? Yes. And actually, it's more important, uh, rather than from the pulpit, which has very limited way of... Um, making people understand what the gospel truly is, the evangelizing, the gospeling is best done by uh, everyone in the church. Okay, All of us are the good newsing people. Wherever we can share by word, deed, uh, whatever, uh, the reality of the kingdom. It takes disciples to make disciples, but our role as part of the kingdom is to be a witness. Okay, So the true evangelism to me happens by the church are Christians uh, going and witnessing to the reality of Christ and helping people uh, begin and continue their journey in the kingdom of God so that in the end, everyone completes the journey as true disciples of Jesus. That's the work of the gospel. That's why the gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
make my case or not. Uh, you go and think about it. Lah. Okay? Because I feel that is what Bible really says. Not the compressed version that we've been... I don't blame Bill Bright for coming out with the false spiritual laws. Lah, huh? It was a time I think maybe necessary. But I think also it distorted the biblical meaning of gospel. And it has many historical reasons, but it brought us to a point where we thought that sharing the gospel is only for non-Christians. And sharing the gospel is only to bring people to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And that to me is so limiting. Yeah? That is not part of the whole biblical purpose of Jesus coming to... Um, Okay, I, I tell you one. Um, you go back to the scriptures number four. I want to shock you to end this time. Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because what? <laughs> Do you understand the meaning of that is why I was sent? Okay, the, the, the smallest shock is if Jesus was sent, did he come willingly or not? He said, I was sent. <laughs> you understand? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave and Jesus was sent. <laughs> Just joking with you, lah, but never mind. Go think, think about, did Jesus come willingly? Oh, Jesus, God telling him, you go! Whatever, you go. You're going to die, but you go. You go and die. I know we say to other people, go and die for other reasons, but makes you think. Huh? Then he says, that is why I was sent. Why was he sent? Why? why is the, what is the why? Huh? The kingdom of God is why he was sent. You think he loves you so much, is it? That's why he came for you, huh? died for you, right? If you are the last person on his Jesus will still die for you, right? That's not what the Bible says, huh? There are preachers who said, you know, if Jesus, if you were the last person on earth, Jesus will still die for you. Wrong. He did not <laughs> does not say that. Anyone who said that, you better say liar. <laughs> because that is why I was sent. Jesus was sent because of the kingdom of God. That was his mission. His dying and rising again, his ministry is the kingdom of God. Nothing less. Huh? Not because he has some mushy-mushy feeling about you. Too bad huh? if you think that. Sorry. I apologize. And God so loved the world, not just you as a person. Huh? Of course, that encompasses you. But don't get this uh, fake news about, you know, God will love me, never mind anything I do also can. His purpose and plan and his mission was the kingdom of God and still is. That is why I was sent. And if we are his people and he is king, this is our mission as well. Lah. Okay? We are part of this great enterprise called the kingdom of God. And to me, nothing less will do. Okay? So it took me some time to come to this, even going through ministry, having to ditch all the baggage I had because of what I had learned as a teenager and going through theological college and having to rethink and saying, you know, all that is not what Bible really says. Go to the Bible and say, eh, what is all this? It's not the same. And this is the conclusion I've come to. Lah. Sometimes it's a bit late in your life, but better late than never. <laughs> and so I share with you for you also hopefully better late than never that you don't have such a narrow view of gospel, the full biblical uh, expanse of what the gospel of the kingdom actually is about. Okay, I stop here before I kill you all. And uh, Any questions? Uh, anything to clarify? I think one hour is just nice. Huh? You know, I also cannot tahan. Uh, any questions? Anything you want to clarify? Yes. 
Uh, that's the different side of the same coin. Is the gospel only... F- uh, okay, la, anyway, for whatever. La. Okay. As long as you understand what I mean. Don't care about my words. La. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, only for non-believers. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. 64 years old. La. Sometimes it happens. Okay, uh, it is not only for non-believers. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's for believers as well. It's for everyone. Uh, for the non-believers, is the challenge to enter the kingdom. Mm. For the believers, is to fulfill the kingdom. Okay, any others? Ah. Yes. No, okay. So this is a big debate among people. Uh. What, the gospel, what the Bible says, is it the norm or the ideal? Norm or the ideal? What the Bible requires of us? Everything that the Bible commands, is it the norm or the ideal? Huh? Some people say, if it's the norm, uh, all over, there are a lot of people in trouble, no? Because many of us won't make it. I just let you know. Lah. Uh, so, is it the ideal or is it somewhere in between? I don't know. Uh, I tend to think it's more the ideal. We try our best. If you don't try your best, whether norm or ideal doesn't make a difference anyway. But if it is the norm, then many people may not make it. This is just the warning. Uh. So if <laughs> this is the reality of it. Okay? This is the reality of it. Can you fall away? Bible says you can. If you deny me before others, I will deny you before God. Where is the line? Not clear. Why? Because if you are a true Singaporean, you know where the line is. Uh. You just live just above lah. How many marks to pass? 50 ah. Okay lah, 54 marks can lah. Don't worry lah, 54 is good enough ah. I don't need to get distinction. Singaporean will be like that, right? So, God doesn't... <laughs> I don't know. I have seen many Christians who are like that. But never mind. So, so God, does, God tells us you can fall away, but He doesn't demarcate. Unless you commit total apostasy and you deny Jesus completely after you have received him and you maintain that apostasy. Okay, that one is very clear. If you become a Christian, of course some people say, well, were you a real Christian in the first place? I think yes. You can become a real Christian, then you can also deny. If you stay in that denial, Bible is clear. Okay? You are not part of the kingdom. So, do we persevere to the end? Do we need to fulfill everything? Not sure, but we need to persevere. Matthew, he who believes to the end shall be saved. Okay? So, if you like 95% say, ah, yeah, Jesus Christ coming back so long, don't come back, I give up. Lah. <laughs> uh, Bible to me says very clearly, if you give up, sorry. You know, hang on to the end. Yeah, yeah. You got to believe all the believing in Him once. Not all who just believe in Him, said the sinner's prayer, don't, you know. All the believing in Him. As long as you are believing in Him, you have the life of the age to come. If you stop believing, then to me it means... Do you know that the Revelation talks about the book of life huh? and it says, so that your name shall not be erased from the book of life. To me say, wow, my name written in pencil lah. <laughs> now, okay lah. Now God delete. Okay. So, you got to think for yourself lah. Why does the Bible says their names cannot be, will not be erased? Some people say hypothetical. But maybe in pencil. I don't know. <laughs> Just like some people say, uh, God, God, um, you know, the Bible says when God forgives, He forgets our sin. Ah, I don't believe God can forget completely. Ah. God memory got no delete button. Ah. But he, when He forgives, He forgets what we've done is sin. That's what forgiveness means. So it releases people from feeling guilty. Sometimes we can forgive persons, but we still can remember what they do and we think we haven't forgiven. That's not true. If we can remember, that's because we are human, but we don't hold it against them anymore. That's forgiveness. Because why we do that, that's a copy of God. God 
of course cannot forget what we're doing. If he's truly God, if his memory can be erased, then I don't know, I got a problem. <laughs> but if God can still remember, but not hold that against me as sin, that to me he has forgiven me. In Christ, that's what happens. Okay, so we can also have that freedom. Same. And therefore, um, I think that's why I say, what does the Bible really say? Lah? Yeah? Not just what we think it ought to say or what we prefer or not prefer. Okay? To me, that's the most important. Yeah. And sometimes when we interpret also, it's important how we interpret the Bible. Not look into the Bible, put inside what it does not, is not there, or take away what is there. I try my best. Ah. Not, not perfect, but this is after 36 years of pastoral ministry. This is the sort of where I am. Any others? Oh, ah. <laughs> Cannot wait. Ah. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> ah. Yeah. No, it cannot be most important. It is one it, that there's no most important as far as I am concerned. Now. All of it is important. So Paul says those things are of first importance. So got second importance, third importance, fourth importance also. So that's first importance, yes. The presentation of Christ's work on the cross so that you can enter the kingdom, be born again. Yes, first importance. Mm. Yeah. Okay, a personal relation, Christ. Okay, um, my view, ah, huh? the jewel of Christianity is our ability or the 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 opportunity we have, huh, to have a personal relationship with God through Christ. Okay, but don't think this is buddy buddy one, no. Huh? Jesus is a friend, but he's still God. Huh? God is my friend, but he's God first before he's my friend, huh? And so, although I like the hymn. In the garden. And he walks with me and he talks with me. Hey, it's not like that. Lah. <laughs> okay? To me, the secret of the kingdom life is the balance between reverence and intimacy. Reverence because God is God. Intimacy is that I can come, I can actually have a relationship. No, the relationship is not the, you're my buddy. No, no, no. He's my God. Uh, I cannot put my arm around and say, Hey God, how you are today? Apa uh? kabar? You know, chapawe, you know. Please don't think like that. Uh. And some people think they chat with God every day. I sometimes say maybe schizophrenic. You look in the Bible, how many times Abraham actually talked with God? Or God spoke to Abraham? You can check how many times Paul's, God spoke to Paul directly. You're going to find it's not every day, walk with me, talk with me. It's not like that. <laughs> okay, But I think we can have this relationship with God and it is intimate, but still God and creature, creator and creature. Okay, So there is a wonderful hymn that we now no longer sing. It's from the renewal. Huh? God and man at table are sat down. This is a song about Holy Communion. God and man at table are sat down. This is the picture of the first Holy, the first Lord's Supper. But to me, that encapsulates our relationship with God. God and man at table are sat down. That's my understanding. Lah. If you have a somehow deeper and more charming relationship, you can tell me. Lah, but I think be careful. Um, because in the Bible, I do not find anything that would support that position. Only some... This is why the hymns and the songs nowadays are yeah, very simple. I love you, you love me. As long as we love, it's okay. You know. The older hymns, especially like Wesley's, are better because they do acknowledge the relationship, but they also teach and they put God as God of the kingdom this the kingdom of God. Lah. That's my take. Lah. Now you know some of my irritations, but never mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Eh.
Anything else? Three, two, one. Okay, so next session is about the church. Huh? Uh, and the main position of the church we have now is not in the Bible. You want to know why you come? Huh? <laughs> what should the church be? You also come. Okay? <laughs> if, you want to, if you think I'm being a heretic, don't come also can. Huh? But I think, like I say, what I, what I share is from the Bible as I will try and show you. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening and ask that you will continue to help us as we learn what the Bible really says. We pray that you will help us also put into practice uh, what we've learned and uh, help us to grow uh, as citizens of the kingdom as well as our relationship with you so that we may truly become true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you.